Welcome to 1001 Good Nights, a podcast about the stories behind bedtime stories. Follow along with two new dads, one a psychologist and one a book editor, as they explore the nighttime ritual of their foreseeable future. Hey, Nick. Hey, Ben. I'm really excited today because I have my good friend and pal, John Mashney, also a newly minted children's book author, uh, on the show with us today. So welcome, John. How are you guys doing? Doing all right. Uh, John, let's get right to it. Um, Can you (laughs) briefly walk us through the origin story for your newly published children's book, Cinder Toot, A Cinderella Tooting Tale? So, okay. It is slightly embarrassing to even say the title of the book. I will freely admit that. Um, you know, this book really came about, uh, kind of, I had, let's just put it this way. I had no intention of writing a children's book. I was actually working on a nonfiction book on reinventing yourself. And a good friend of mine said, John, you literally write 15 minutes a day. Cause I have a busy law practice and doing all, I do lots of stuff, right? Teach at a couple of schools and I produce movies and I just have four kids and I'm married and all this other stuff. And he said, it's going to take you forever to write like a longer book. Why don't you you know, turn one of your, the stories that you tell your kids into like a children's book and you could publish a book in 2020. And I thought he was crazy. I was like, what are you talking about? Cause I, uh, have been telling my kids stories and they've been just super fun, almost epic in a way, but with no intention of publishing it. It's just, I just like to have fun with my kids. I love, you know, telling stories and it came from me going to film school 20 years ago. And, and just, I love telling stories to my kids and it's kind of that special time. Well, Uh, I thought my friend was crazy initially. And then I talked to my wife and she's like, Oh, uh, maybe, you know, but then I asked my kids, I said, kids, what do you think? And they said, you have to do cinder too, dad. And I thought, Oh my gosh, what am I getting myself into? I'm like a attorney, you know, most of the time business attorney, like helping like clients deal with multimillion dollar decisions. And then I'm going to write like a part book essentially. And, um, And so what I did is I said, okay, if I'm going to do it, I'm going to use this as a way to teach my kids, you know, about how to create, how to execute, how to start a business. And, and I'm going to really do it as a way to spend time with my kids. And I just had so much fun, um, putting the story down, you know, in within three days, I wrote a first draft and that's really what started off everything. And from there, it's been so much fun. So that's kind of a very short origin story, but that's, that's how it happened. Yeah, that's great. Now, you, you kind of briefly mentioned your your rap sheet of duties and obligations as a, you're a full time attorney. You got to get your hands full at home, four kids. Um, so, how like walk us through the details? Like, how do you actually find time to write a children's <laughs> book amid all that? Like, do you have a process or yeah. it or what? So, you know, and I do other writing, and I just pledged uh, a few years ago I would write 15 minutes a day among all the other things that I do, and that's I, I've had that habit for. A, gosh, I don't know, four or five years now. Um, and so I shifted that 15 minutes a day to writing the children's book. What I learned though, and this is just what I've learned through all of the different businesses that I've been involved with, any type of investing that I've done, it's all about the team that you build around you. So for me, it became, I wrote the first draft because that, that was my role, right? And I immediately had an advisor. I talked to her, hired her. Uh, she gave me some fantastic advice. And then she told me the other people I needed on my team. I, I needed an editor and I, I had to find a great editor. I needed an illustrator. I needed someone that could do layout. I needed people who could help me with marketing. And so many people have 
you know, stepped into those roles, but it was all about doing what I had to do and then building the team around it. And that's really like the very brief answer. But for me, it was getting that first draft done. Uh, I hired, like, like I said, that first advisor, Evie, she was incredible. And then uh, hired an editor who had done Disney publishing for a while. She was fantastic. And I ended up with 13 different drafts of the story. And then uh, it was very odd. That was sometime in March. I had 13 drafts done and I kind of put it uh, to the side because the pandemic hit right, right in March. I, I really didn't think that it was the right kind of timing for a silly story, but I just, I, I couldn't, um, I couldn't tell the story in a time where a lot of people were hurting, including my own family and people I knew. So I put it down for a while and then probably end of April, early May, I found that draft 13, it was printed off and it was midnight. I was sitting in my kitchen table on a weekday. I couldn't sleep and I started reading it and I was laughing out loud. It's very funny. And I still think it's funny. Like I will read it. I read it yesterday and I still laugh out loud. Um, and I said, this is exactly what the world needs, right? You know, they need, people need joy. People need to laugh. People need humor. And, uh, I think that's what the book delivers. And so over that next, what, uh, six months or so hired an illustrator and she did phenomenal work. And really, I almost thought she got it better than I got the story. It was like, she did so, such a great job with illustrations. And so it really came down to, in summary, just building a great team after I started with a draft and came up with the idea. Yeah. Um, it sounds like this was a real kind of learning process for you. Do you feel like it uh, your, your opinion of children's books in general changed uh, after doing this? Are, are there children's books that you respect more or things about children's books that kind of annoy you now that you've gone through the process yourself? <laughs> well, I will say, I so for me, um, writing a children's book came because I was inspired partially. Um, one, I'd read a lot of children's books, and so it kind of blew my mind when I started reading to my kids. I have four kids, right? Ages 10, eight, six, and three. And as you kind of go through the different phases, you read a lot of children's books, right? Um, and I started kind of just understanding like what types of books there are. Like I remember the Dora books have like this formula, right? Like it's always like three things and there's always like the troll or something. And right. It's just very formulaic. Uh, there's other books and it kind of blew my mind a little bit. Like, wait, there's a children's book and there's actually no words. It's just pictures. And I was like, am I supposed to invent the story? I don't know. Um, it, and then there's just other books where it's sometimes they're made for, you know, younger babies, kids, and it's like textures and you feel stuff. Um, but the ones that captured me were the ones that it was, it seemed more like art. And, and for a long time, I didn't think children's books were actually art or, or worthy of being respected as art. And I really had a, a big shift before I wrote the book. And before I even decided to write the book, it was, um, there were a number of books that I read, like the, the, uh, Mo Willems books, the, uh, Adam Rex, Drew DeWalt books. Um, I just realized like these guys are artists. These guys are really good at their craft. Like there's something that they're doing really, really well. And these are really good storytellers. And that's what I respect. I went to film school. I produced movies. I wrote two screenplays in my twenties. Um, I love film. I have a, a film degree, right? Uh, I love storytelling and I started to respect the form right in children's books. And so that's when I said I could do this. This is worthy of my time to really capture the story that seemed super silly. And my kids thought it was funny. And my wife actually rolls her eyes because she says I ruined her favorite fairy tale. 
Um, <laughs> but you know, I started to really respect the art form, and I now I have massive respect. It, it is a it is a true art form, and there's people that are really really good at it, and I think better than me. But I, I just respect it now so much more than I did, you know, let's say 12 or 24 months ago. You know, that's, that's the kind of respect that can only come from 13 drafts of, you know, princess toots. So <laughs> well, you know, think about this. I put as much time into word choices as I do into a memo that might cost, you know, $25,000 for a client or a hundred thousand dollars. Like I was thinking about, do I use the word fart? Do I use the word toot? Do I use a different word? Like, how do you describe this? Right? Like how many times do I actually say the F word in this book? Right. Um, it's, it's, I, I, I was pacing in my basement thinking about word choices. And then you have this moment where you're like, does this even matter? Like, this is a fart book. Like really? Um, so it, it, I had so much fun thinking so, you know, deeply about how this would affect people. And it's honestly been one of the most fun things I've ever done professionally. That's great. You mentioned a couple of those more well-known authors and books that sort of inspired you um, to take on this project. I wonder if there are, are there any books that you find especially sort of underrated or that you feel like more people should know about? Well, my favorite book of all time, not children's book, all time, just is uh, The Legend of Rock, Paper, Scissors by uh, Drew DeWalt and Adam Rex. Uh, that book is the, the book that inspired me to write Cinder 2, no question. And I actually just published an article where I shared that story. Um, my wife, literally, she is like my conscience and she knows me better than myself. I came home one day and she said, oh, I just read this book. You really should read it. And I thought it was going to be like The Martian, Orphan X, some like fun book to read. And she's like, oh, it's a children's book. And I was like, oh, OK, whatever. I'm not going to read it. And she's like, no, 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 you really like it. And I just said, OK, I'm not. It's, you know, it's a children's book. I'm not going to read it. So then like a month later, uh, I'm putting my son to, to bed. and He's the oldest. And there's a book sitting on the bed. And he's like, oh, dad, I want to read this one. And it was. The Legend of Rock, Paper, Scissors. And immediately I just opened it. And I was in love. I'm like, this is like martial arts, like warriors, ninjas, you know, all the things that I like love in life, but put in this little silly story that was hilarious. And the illustrations I thought were so well done. And what I love is when there's multiple layers, you look at the illustration and every time you see something new and, not, and even beyond the words, right? So I just read this book and I thought, this is might be my favorite book of all time. It's funny. It's a little crude, but it's not super, uh, it's not, uh, the, it's not driven by one kind of crude idea. It's just funny, right? There's a really good sense of humor behind it and it's fun to read. So when I, when I read that book, I immediately thought this, this is incredible. Like I didn't know that there were these kinds of storytellers writing children's books. And, and I just, that's what convinced me that I could do Cinder Toot. And then I have about 12 other book ideas and they're all going to be similar to kind of this, you know, um, uh, idea that I saw with uh, Drew DeWalt and Adam Rex, what they did with the, the Legend of Rock, Paper, Scissors. Yeah, that's great. John, this has been awesome. Thank you so much. Um, before we let you go, do you want to send us off by reciting the last few lines from Goodnight Moon for us? Of course, of course. Good night, nobody. Good night, mush. And good night to the old lady whispering hush. Good night, stars. Good night, air. Good night, noises everywhere. If you enjoyed this episode, check out our other content at 1001goodnights.com and help us out with a rating on your podcast platform of choice.